0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This ain't your abuelita's financial advice. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you tackle grown woman business when it comes to all things dinero. We're going to talk about how to make it, keep it, and grow it. On that note, vamos. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Jokero Dinero podcast. This is Janice, your host, and I'm so happy to bring this next guest to the conversation we've been having around side hustles. Now, if you follow me on Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of the side hustle and our next guest is, in my opinion, the queen of side hustles. She has built an amazing business that allowed her to quit her government job and her name is Liz Enriquez, and she is blogging over at ambitiousadulting.com. Now, Liz is a personal finance mentor who helps millennials become more confident investors and money managers, and after struggling with anxiety, she recognized that she needed to take control of her finances to feel secure and at peace. At age 18, she started investing and saving aggressively, and this actually helped her pay off her student loans Buy two properties and reach a six figure net worth by age 28. I mean, come on. That's insane, right? So, Liz is actually located in Canada. She was born in Mexico and she moved over to Canada when she was five. And she decided to take things into her own hands and radically transform her life. And I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. So, let's go ahead and hop into this combo with Liz from Ambitious Adulting. So, Liz. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you because I feel like when I discovered your content on Instagram, I was just blown away by how early you had an epiphany about like what you should be doing with your money and that things could be radically different if you just changed the way you looked at it and the way you used it. So I can't wait for us to get into this discussion. But thank you for being here, first and foremost.
1: Of course. Yeah, I love talking about finances and it's it's amazing to find you know, like-minded people and connect with this community. Absolutely. So
0: before we get started getting to know you more, um, I obviously want to dive in a little bit to the situation that's going on with the coronavirus, the economic impact that it's having for so many people. I can personally tell you that every day I log into social media and I'm seeing another one of my friends getting laid off or their, you know, their industry is getting furloughed. And people are just, there's a lot of anxiety in the air. And a lot of it has to do with financial stability or instability, depending on a a person's situation. So I'm just curious what you're telling people, what you're telling followers or clients as to what they should be doing um, at this point in time.
1: Yeah, it's definitely heartbreaking. Um, And so much of the advice is already out there. And now I think people are really realizing like, oh, wow, okay, I got to start a budget, cut out expenses that are not necessary, um, call companies. I know there's a huge lineup and wait times right now for credit card companies and bill companies. Um, In Canada here, there are a lot of uh, initiatives and government kind of packages that are gonna let people put off some payments. And so people have to call in and be proactive to to defer some payments. Um, But really it's, it's really back to the basics. Like, okay, what is my budget? I always go back to that. And really also building up that emergency fund. I think the only people who should be investing right now are people who have a very healthy emergency fund and have no debts or their debts under control. I think there's a lot of information out there saying invest, 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 but that's not a great situation for a lot of people. And so the the focus is really on still manage your debts and still build that emergency fund. And then depending on where you are, then definitely take advantage of the stock market. But it's not a clear picture for everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this has been a big wake up call to people because a lot of us have been dealing with this booming economy, right, for over a decade at this point. So we're just Mm -hmm. used to the money coming in, the status quo. And then all of a sudden, it's like a complete shock to the system, not not just on a macro level, but just on a, a micro level, right? Like people are just shocked by how quickly things can change. So I think it's important that we start understanding the lessons behind what's happening, because this is not going to be the first and last time that some global catastrophe happens. You know, we just can't predict them. The only thing we we can do really at this point and in the future is prepare ourselves as much as possible, right?
1: Yeah, we definitely have to learn from this experience. And it's not the first time. This is probably the first time a virus like this has happened. Um, I know back in the 1800s and stuff Spanish flu happened and a whole bunch of other things happened but definitely in modern history this is the first time a virus has affected us in this huge global capacity we definitely had SARS and and that did not affect us the way that corona is affecting us but I mean the housing the housing crisis in 2008 was a kind of a wake-up call for a lot of people as well and I think this is the wake-up call for a new generation so yeah Yeah, catastrophes have always been happening. We've just been really lucky that it hasn't happened to us on a global level in a long time, but we always have to be prepared. Absolutely. Okay,
0: so I definitely want people to get to know you more. So if we could start off with just an introduction of who you are and kind of how you got into this personal finance space, maybe what your relationship was like with money growing up, your background, anything that you're happy to share with us.
1: For sure. It's actually kind of an interesting time for me. It's a little bit nostalgic because I started investing right after the housing crisis and everyone was telling me, don't, it's too risky, it's too risky. But I was only 18 and I didn't really know what risk even meant. I didn't understand what a bull market was, a bear market was. But I had a little bit of money from some some that I had done. Okay, you know what? I really feel like I need to take this advice about starting when you're young. And so I did that. And the only reason I kind of had this epiphany and learned about money management so early on is because I was so anxious about money. I was so stressed out. I would have panic attacks. Um, I had my first panic attack in high school because I was thinking about tuition and how and how how I was gonna move out, and all of these thoughts would keep me up at night and cause me some serious anxiety. And I was like, this is the worst feeling. Um, I did a bunch of tests, I had therapy, and they're like, you got to figure out your, like, what's causing this? Like, what is your trigger? So I did a lot of work on that in internal work and reflection. And I'm like, you know what, like, my life is pretty good, but I'm super stressed about money. So that's when I just buckled down and realized, like, I got to take this seriously, because I cannot be having anxiety attacks all the time. And I can't be not functioning because I'm so stressed about money. So it was really kind of what Set me in motion is to never feel like that again, and luckily, a lot of advice out there it's really basic advice you know, start a budget, spend less than you make. Um, I was pretty hardcore, like, I was working full time and going to school full time and bordering on that like f- extreme frugalness for a few years, and I realized that's not how I want to live my life either. Mm-hmm. So, it took me a while to kind of figure out my strategies and find a happy balance where I could be financially responsible, but also enjoy my life. So I guess I am lucky that I had a big wake up call, but it wasn't this like really beautiful sunshine and rainbows wake up call. Um, But I think sometimes that's what people need. You kind of have to hit that. I don't want to say rock bottom because I think that, you know, people have gone through way worse, but I definitely hit a low point and a dark point where I could not understand where the direction of my life was going. And I had to make some major changes. Got
0: it. So you went to therapy, you got diagnosed with anxiety. Did they actually help you figure out where the anxiety stemmed from? Did it stem from your background, like your parents growing up with money? Anything like that?
1: Yeah, I did a little bit. I really definitely had to understand where this was stemming from. And it was in part because one, I just have an anxious... I just have anxiety about a lot of things. But the other part was growing up in a low income home. So I really had to understand like why I had scarcity mindset and why I had kind of limiting beliefs. Um, My parents were super supportive of education and us getting a better future. That's why we moved to Canada from Mexico. So they were always kind of pushing us to be better, be better, be better so we could get a better job. So I definitely had a lot of pressure on that end as well. But Um, Yeah, I I didn't. I had a lot of moments of shame growing up. Uh, We lived in a two bedroom apartment. I have three brothers. I actually moved into the closet um, for privacy. And so I never had people over at my house because I could not bear the thought of them knowing like how I where I slept, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of that had a lot to do with my shame around money, my scarcity, my fear, Really, like money to me had a lot of negativity attached to it. And so I had to completely change that and look for opportunities and really just kind of find some healthy habits so I could be better at money.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that that's a very common experience for especially immigrant families. You know, a lot of us that are between the ages of like 20 and 35, we're part of that like first generation that is getting higher education right we're getting better jobs than our generations before and as a result we growing up with that scarcity mindset and just seeing how our family struggled it's hard to break that cycle unless you make a proactive choice right because you just don't have a reference point to even look to 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 find another way so i think that's such a common experience and thanks for sharing that
1: yeah i mean that also leads To another emotion I have is sometimes I have a lot of guilt um, when I look back and, you know, see how my family in Mexico lives. And a lot of them are struggling. A lot of them. We did not. My family does not come from money. And so I sometimes feel guilt when I'm traveling or doing this and doing that. I'm like, oh, maybe I should be helping them or maybe I should be doing this. So it's definitely still a process, um, which I think a lot of immigrants also feel.
0: Absolutely. um, But
1: hmm,
0: yeah, so tell me about how you actually went about at the age of eighteen, you started investing and like where did you even get started? Because I know at eighteen I was not thinking about investing money.
1: <laughs> I know, I know in retrospect, I'm like, what a nerd, like what a loser, but <laughs> no, obviously you are it was smart, like, girl you are I'm like, like you know what, people. it all worked out. <laughs> well, i I don't know exactly where when I thought like, this is a good idea, but my dad was, I give him a lot of credit for my financial um, literature because he was always the one saying, save your money. You never know when you're going to need it. Like, don't worry about impressing other people. Cause of course I wanted to just fit in and buy the latest fashion. And he was like, so against that, you know, they'd be like, I no mean, like, they don't care at all. I'm like, Oh, but this person has this. And this person's mom said that they could have this. My parents just stomped their foot down. They're like, No, you're not getting any of that. Like, you need to save your money, you need to do this, this and this. So definitely my parents kind of like, knew what to tell me to plant the seeds about being financially liter- literate.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: But then yeah, they just asked, my dad just said, Okay, like, here in Canada in 2008, 2009, the tax-free savings account came out. And so my parents were just like, okay, let's figure out what this is. So the first year, it's this new investing account that has been around. Um, I think it's similar to like one of your 401ks or one of those like registered investing accounts. Yeah. So it was the first year when I turned 18. And my dad just took me to the bank and he's like, oh, uh, can we open one of these for her? And that's what we did. And that's it. Wow kudos to dad yeah I know it was awesome like my parents were actually the first ones to break the cycle they're the only ones in their uh families that went to school and then they were the ones who moved to a different country and so they were kind of the pioneers so yes I I got higher education and did this and that but definitely my parents were the ones who broke that cycle
0: that's fantastic So did you have like a lot of debt before, you know, you started investing or were you just extremely frugal? Like you said, you just were kind of hoarding money instead of investing it.
1: I was, well, I had like no money. I had like $500 when I started investing Okay, and I was definitely not making regular contributions. Like I had that $500 sitting in that bank account for like two years before I could actually do with it. Yeah. And then I started working full time. So I didn't have a lot of debt because I applied for a ton of scholarships and I spent I dropped grade 12 math because it was too hard for me. And I spent that entire period. It was like 40 minutes exclusively applying to scholarships So for an entire semester because I didn't have my own money to go to school. My parents, they have four kids and they did not have enough money to send us all to school. I just kind of made that my part time job. And so by the end of the semester, I had enough scholarships for a year and a half of school. And then I worked full time while I was going to school full time. And then eventually I worked two part time jobs. And so I really just paid my own way through school. And so with that money, I started investing it slowly with just the advice that the person at the bank gave me like I did not have an investing strategy. I did not know what stocks were. But like we mentioned earlier, we were in a bull market. And so for the last 10 years, um, my money had been growing without me knowing really exactly what I was doing. I didn't really Mm -hmm. dive deeper into investing until about four years ago. But for a long time, I just kind of let the bank people deal with it. Got it. And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. You know,
0: obviously, there is There are levels to investing and there are active ways and there are passive ways. So, yeah, I mean, whatever works for you. Some people are just about, you know, I'm just going to set up automatic investment uh, amounts to get taken out of my paycheck every month. And then that's it. And and they're content with that. So it's really just based on what you're trying to accomplish. Right.
1: So, yeah, which I didn't even know either. Like my strategy has changed so many times. And it wasn't until recently where I got a really clear strategy and became an active investor.
0: Yeah. So I definitely want to talk more about your investment strategy now. So you were able to pay off your student loans, which how much did you end up actually having to take out?
1: Um, I was granted around $17,000. So I paid that all back before I graduated. Okay,
0: And then you also managed Mm -hmm. to buy two properties and reach a six figure net worth by age 28, which is just like mind boggling to me. So can you walk us through how you were able to accomplish that?
1: Yeah, so I was working full time. And I think that makes the biggest difference. Like, obviously, income is super important. And I was working full time, but I was living still like a student like I had a basement apartment my room was the size of my bed and I didn't even have room for a chair in there um so I just sat on my bed and did my homework on my desk and I lived in that basement apartment for three years even though I was making around probably 35 or forty thousand dollars, which is like decent but you know for a student that was pretty good um so I could have been living on my own. I, I could have bought a car. I could have been doing things. It's a small income, but I could have done it, but I just left, uh, lived completely minimally for those years. And so by the time I had graduated, I'd already paid off my student loans. So anything I worked didn't have to go to debt. And so within two years after graduation, I was able to buy my first house. Um, and I put 20% down. So that really used up a lot of the money that I had, Uh, I didn't really, I definitely became house poor, but to me it was worth it because I wanted to put 20% down for the insurance purposes here in Canada and also to keep my monthly payments low. And then uh, after that, I started a side hustle. So I had a full-time job doing data analysis for the government and I was looking for a creative outlet. So I started a side hustle doing social media marketing Now I have a geography degree. Like I'm not qualified to do half the (laughs) stuff I do, but I just never let that stand in my way because I was always on social media and I'm like, Oh, it'd be so great if I could like get paid to be on social media. And then also I would go to restaurants and ask them to tag them or like, Oh, I really want to follow you guys on Instagram. And half the half of them like didn't even have an Instagram. Mm. And this was back in 2015 when I started my social media business. So I just like, Thought, why don't I just manage their accounts? Like it can't be that hard. And it's just snowballed. And so I've been doing that since. Um, but really, I've always been a hustler. Like I've always worked full time and gone to school full time or worked full time and then had a side hustle. I'm just always working. Yeah. So that is so awesome. And I that's the secret. Like, (laughs) (laughs) surprise. Well, work Um,
0: It's quite it sounds really obvious on the surface. But you know, a lot of people when they think about just working all the time, they think about, you know, getting a part time job to supplement their full time job, or they're not creating like passive, or even active streams of income that don't involve just working for somebody else. Right. So I definitely want to dive into the side hustle thing, because I'm so big on side hustles. Like I feel like everybody should have one, especially this day and age. It is not a luxury. It's a necessity, right? Because there is just too much reliance on a full time job or a corporate job for Mm -hmm. security. And as we're seeing right now, that's just not, it's not sustainable.
1: Absolutely. I'm so happy I kind of understood that concept early on as well because we had a lot of layoffs here where i live in hamilton uh with the steel industry because it went under and i just saw like the devastating effects of that and i'm like okay i can't be relying on just one income um the other thing is all of, even though i worked for the government which everyone thinks is super cushy i worked on contracts like four-month contracts five-month contracts six-month contracts so i never knew if my job was going to be guaranteed in a few months. And so I had so much instability, which is already one of my triggers. Like, (laughs) hello, I'm a type A, like I need structure and stability. So I'm like, no, I can't guarantee my income with just this like job that's contract to contract. So that was definitely one of the motivators for me to have a side hustle that I could control. Yeah.
0: And so you were actually able to turn your side hustle into your main hustle, right? You ended up quitting your government job. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, so it took me three years because I honestly was so scared. Like, I knew I could build it, but I did have benefits and I did have, you know, some perks and it was pretty easy. It was close to work. So I had all these reasons to stay. Um, But when I finally saved a year of my income and then also made good money on my, like, I, I pretty much made the same as in my side hustle as my full time job. I'm like, okay, I think I can do this. Like I think I can quit. I feel stable. I feel secure. And that's just because I I, I don't know. Like I didn't really have the intentions of ever doing that, but it just all worked out. So yeah, I quit my full time job um in September of 2018. And I've been self employed since then.
0: That's amazing. And I think that's so inspiring because, you know, the thing with a regular nine to five is that You are capped with your income based on just how much your company is willing to pay for you. But when you're creating a side hustle, Mm -hmm. especially an internet-based business, the income potential is literally limitless. I don't think a lot of people realize that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That and also like I wasn't good at negotiating all the people on there on the Internet say, oh, get a raise, do this, do that. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like to me, it was easier (laughs) to just start my own business than like awkwardly ask my boss for more money. Yeah, I don't know. Like that just didn't fly with me. And you're right. Like I have not felt I've definitely been affected by the virus financially. But if I need more money, I know exactly what to do. And how to make more money on my own. I don't need to be depending on my job to pay me. Or if I probably would have been laid off by now. Who knows? Like tons of people do not have control over their own income. Because they depend on their employer. Um, But I just haven't felt that since this started.
0: And I think that also um, highlights the importance of diversifying your income streams. So that, you know, if one is down, the other might be up. For instance, you are a property owner, right? People are always going to need somewhere to Mm -hmm. live, regardless of what's happening with the economy. So it's just thinking about ways that you can kind of bulletproof your situation so that when one area that you're working in is seeing a decline, the other is stable, or maybe it's even increasing, and you're not subject to these whims of just relying on one source of income.
1: Yeah, I read somewhere that you should have seven. So that's what I did. So can you talk about those seven? Because
0: that's really ambitious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ambitious adulting. Yes. (laughs) I don't, I I like take something, read it. And if it really resonates with me, I just tunnel vision and like gazelle focus on that. So yes, I read somewhere a while ago that said you need to have seven income streams because that's what millionaires have. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So (laughs) why not? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) <laughs> so I have um, two, I have a rental property and so that makes one income. Then my affiliate links, those, you know, that's, it's not a lot, but it's, it's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have two businesses. So shout outs. Hamilton is my social media marketing business. Um, and then ambitious adulting. I do financial literacy workshops. I do mentorship programs. Um, so that's four already. And then I think, I guess I'm cheating a little bit because within Ambitious Adulting, I have different business models. So I do public speaking.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com dinero now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com
1: dinero. So I get paid for that. And different workshops. Um, And then my online courses, I get paid for that. And I think I had one more different business model. Oh, um, downloadable stuff. So I get paid for that. So a whole bunch of like different little things. So if one thing isn't doing, okay, let's just focus on this thing. If that's not doing well, okay, I'll focus on that one. So that's what I've had to do. Like definitely has been an adjustment period for me. Um, But I'm getting there.
0: Well, and it's a great example just with what you listed where right now you really can't do public speaking because we're not allowed to go anywhere, right? Yeah, but
1: exactly. You
0: still offer online courses, you can still offer downloadable content, and you can still meet with your clients virtually. So you're not limited in your potential to earn income just because of what's happening externally. So I, I love that so much.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, and it's a learning curve for me too. Like I did not take a single business class. I did not take a single marketing class and everything has just been trial and error, learning, Googling it, YouTubing it. That's why I think also side hustles are so important. And I think there's a lot of limiting beliefs that's like, oh, I can't do that. I don't know. I don't have the degree. I don't have the certification. I don't have the time. Okay. Well then you don't want it enough.
0: I absolutely agree with you. There is a limitless amount of information on the internet now, and you can absolutely learn anything you want, just as simply as going on Google and searching for what you're curious about, going on YouTube and watching videos. I taught myself how to create a blog. I became a photographer, a content writer, a um, like design, food design expert. I had to teach myself coding. I mean, the whole thing. And it it was a matter of going on Google and learning how to do it.
1: That's amazing. A
0: lot. yeah. (laughs) But it it just goes to show you, right? It's just what is in your mind is what stops you the most. Just saying that you're not qualified or you don't, you you just don't have the skill set. You know, nobody's born with any skills. It's all a matter Mm -hmm. of deciding that you're going to learn them.
1: Absolutely. And there's people who are skilled and are still scared to take action. I'm like, you're actually qualified to do this. So I don't think that qualifications need to, you know, are the end all and be all. It's really about that drive and how much you want something. And I never, ever wanted to feel poor again. I never wanted to sleep in a closet. So I'm like, no, I will not go back to that.
0: Failure is not an option, right? That's just what it is. And if if I do
1: fail, (laughs) which does happen... The biggest skill I've learned in recent years is just to recover and move on quickly instead of dwelling on it, which I used to do and beat myself up and try to figure out where I went wrong. And now I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work. That sucked. Try something else because stop wasting time on wallowing. That's how I have to remind myself that all the time. I love that so much. Okay. Okay.
0: So I want to talk about ambitious adulting. First of all, I love the title because adulting has such a negative term, right? It's just like, oh my God, it's so stressful. We got to know all these things and especially around money and the putting the word ambitious in front of it makes it like something that you actually want to do because ambitious people are successful for the most part, right? That's like a, a, a that's just something that you associate with somebody who's ambitious—that they're successful, that they they have a drive, that they go after what they want. So, can you talk about what ambitious adulting is and how you help your clients?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I had such a hard time finding this title because I had so many ideas of what I wanted my blog. It really started as a blog. Um, the history is really it started as a blog to document my do-it-yourself projects at my on my first property. And then I ran out of projects because I fixed it. And I'm like, okay, now what do I write about? (laughs) So I looked at my analytics and really people just wanted to know about how I was paying for everything because I was only 24 when I bought it. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I could write like about how I saved for my down payment and how I saved for the repairs and all this stuff. And that just blew up. People were asking me questions, DMing me. And this was just my personal Facebook group. Like I had no ambitions of become turning this into a business so I'm like that's so weird like I, how do people not know this like for some reason I thought that a lot of people just knew how to do things with their money and like just be good money managers and I realized mm-hmm. like there's a huge gap here like all of these people are asking me really basic questions and I'm like okay how can I how can I leverage this like okay how do I you know, use this. And so that's when I really started building up ambitious adulting. Um, And of course, I had so many limiting beliefs. I'm like, who am I to talk to people about money? Like I dropped out of grade 12 math, like I don't even know how to add properly at the grocery store because I get so stressed out that I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) So I'm like, I can't be telling people what to do. But it was the people who were coming to me. So I'm like, okay, let's just make this a thing. And so I started really helping people with basic money management. Like, okay, everyone, let's make a list of your needs and your wants. And it just evolved from there. So I've been running ambitious adulting for two years. And my main thing now, which I find helps the most people and is also, um, I'm just gonna be blunt, like the most profitable for me is my Mm -hmm. online courses, because people just want the information in the condensed version. And everything I do, I teach from a first person perspective. So I'm teach them like, listen, this is what I did and it did not work. These were all the mistakes I did and it did not work. This is what I've done that did work. And this is what the resources that are available out there to save you time from researching all of it. So here you go, everyone. And so I packaged that into an online course that has been doing really, really well. And it's all just evolving. Like I never sat down with a business plan. I really did a lot of research on what my audience wanted so that I could give them what they wanted and be the most useful for them.
0: That's so great. And I love that fact that you highlight that you looked at what your audience is looking for, because that is so important. You can put out amazing content. But if it's not speaking to the people that you actually want to attract, then you're wasting your time. And I have a personal Um, story that also ties into my side hustle, which is my food blog. So I started off just really sharing like random recipes that I was making. And then when I actually started understanding analytics, I realized that a lot of people were coming to my site seeking Latin recipes. I'm Puerto Rican. So I started sharing a lot of my cultural recipes and my site took off. So I think it's so important to understand your audience because that is the difference between kind of wallowing in frustration because nobody's looking at your stuff and actually being intentional about what you're creating because it's going to resonate with who you're actually targeting. for sure
1: and i had such a hard time because most people i think when they start a business just want to please everyone and i definitely did too i'm like oh i just want to help everyone and i want to do this i want to do that and i really really had to just narrow it down and niche it down because by me trying to help everyone i wasn't helping anyone
0: absolutely so I want to talk a little bit about the um, pros and cons that you have experienced about being self-employed. So obviously, you know, you, you're in control of your income, being self-employed. But a lot of people, especially in the U.S., have concerns about self-employment because then they're responsible for things like healthcare, which obviously are not the same as they are in Canada. And just like, you know, retirement, all that stuff. So how do you kind of deal with the pros and cons of um, self-employment? And what are some that you've identified? Oh, yeah, there's for of?
1: sure cons. Like everyone glamorizes it because it is great. Like I do love being self-employed. But even though we have health care, it's, it's really kind of the basic stuff. Like dental is not covered. Eyeglasses are not covered. Any mm-hmm. kind of um, surgeries, for for example, like the IUD is not covered um so there's a lot of things that are still not covered that I just have to pay out of pocket for um so I don't go to as many cleanings and luckily because I grew up low income I know exactly where to go for the students who do your cleanings I go to like those schools that the dental hygienists are like training at sometimes and stuff so I'm like yeah I was like this is how I had to do it growing (laughs) up like even though I can afford it and I can go to the dental hygienist whenever I want like I trust these students like how hard is it to you know make sure my teeth are clean so you get it at a cheaper price price because you're going to the school so I always find solutions there's cons including the healthcare that I know is not as expensive as in the states and you guys have your own things going on but that's one of the cons for sure I also don't um, qualify for a lot of things so like my mortgage my, for my second property was a nightmare to get. I had to give them so much more documents than the first time around. And the first time around, I was younger. I had less money. I had less of everything. And yet they're giving me a harder time now because I'm self-employed. So getting a mortgage was difficult. Um, but again, found a solution. Currently as well. Um, the Canadian government has just put out a stimulus package to help a bunch of people who are affected by the coronavirus and their businesses. I don't think I qualify for any of that stuff because self employed, just the way my business runs, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to get any assistance. So, yeah, it's not as clear cut as being employed and. Having vacation days. That's a whole other thing. I went to Europe and I did work because I have an online business. But it would have been nice to just chill for a bit and then not do anything and still get paid. So, yeah, there's cons. But I've accepted them and I work around them.
0: And what about the pros? What are you loving about self-employment?
1: Honestly, and it's so cliche, but I just have this... Energy when I wake up because I love what I do. And I definitely felt like my light was totally dim when I was working, you know, for the government. It was a good job and everything. But I'm like, does anyone read these reports? Like, does anyone actually care about what I'm working on? And it just didn't feel invigorating. And my work with, um, millennials in general around their finances. Like I know for a fact that the work that I'm doing with them is helping their lives. So just having that feeling, is just like so rewarding and so satisfying. And then of course the other stereotypical and cliche things, like I make my own schedule. I work from home in my pajamas. Like that's definitely all great. So yeah, I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have to agree with you. (laughs) I think a lot of people right now are getting their first taste of working from home, and it's kind of a mixed bag, right? It just depends on how easy that actually is to, to do your job. But when it comes to the type of businesses that you and I run, it's very simple to to work from home. And it's actually quite Yeah, like I so. like working
1: from bed. Uh, like yeah. everyone, you know, people put out this content about what entrepreneurs need to do. Like, hell no, I don't wake up before seven in the morning and do my meditation and work. Like, no, I barely... <laughs> do that like no I don't do any of that I just wake up when I want and work when I want and eat when I want and really it's about having those options which is the best part
0: yeah options are what Mm -hmm. gives you freedom which is what we're all in search of I think yeah I mean
1: that's definitely high on my priority list and that's why I've put a bunch of things in place in my life to help me get there faster
0: I love that. Okay, so what advice do you have to give to someone who's ready to get control of their finances? But is- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just overwhelmed with, like, where to even start.
1: Well, I'm a super visual person, so I think if you're overwhelmed, write it down. Like, make your list. Make a list of your debts, make a list of your goals. And I think goal setting is super important. Again, it sounds super woo woo, but if you don't have goals, you don't, you can't really create a really clear plan on what you want to do. So I'm all about breaking it down, especially if you're overwhelmed, like break everything down into a manageable size. So if you want to make your budget, which I always recommend, and you're overwhelmed by the thought of that, just do two months, just do three months eventually build up to doing your six months and then a year and look back at what you spent over the last three months. So just writing everything down and getting that clear picture is going to help people create that action plan and a strategy to move forward.
0: Awesome. Uh, Do you do goals like once a year? Are you like, you know, somebody who's like reviewing your goals on December 31st for the following year? Or are you the type that visits them like quarterly or monthly or even weekly? What's your? Yeah, so
1: my process is, is kind of broad. So I mostly have like big goals, like buy a house, buy another property. So it's mostly financial goals. So I'll break down what I need. So for example, for the second property, I'm like, okay, I want to buy a duplex. So I looked around and saw how much they were. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty expensive, but I guess I can do it. So I worked backwards. So what do I want? How much is it going to cost? And how many months is it going to take me to get there? And then I check in on that kind of financial progress once a month. Because once a month, I sit down and track my expenses for the previous month. So I don't actually have a budget for myself because I already know how much I need to spend. And how much I have. Like I have a really, really deep understanding. On my lifestyle costs. But I like to check in on them once a month. To make sure I'm on track. So it's not restrictive at all for me.
0: Awesome. Do you have a money mantra?
1: My money mantra is really just be open. To opportunities in abundance. Like I completely changed my mindset. To know that. I am smart enough to make my own money and capable enough to make my own money and manage my own money. So I used to be really scared. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do this. And now I'm like, no, I know I can. Like, come on, girl, you got this. So I'm my own cheerleader. That's my money mantra.
0: I love that. And I think the what comes from what you've done is confidence, right? When you put yourself out there and you see that you're able to succeed, it kind of pushes you to see, okay, where can I take this next? What's next for me, right? For sure. The thing that holds people back is just the fear of even getting out there. But once you start to actually accomplish what you set your mind to there, I don't think there's any better way to boost. I
1: think that's absolutely right. And I never really thought of it like that because getting to this stage was super difficult. Like I definitely had so much self doubt and so much still anxiety. Like I still have anxiety, but it's not as bad because I know what to do now. Um, But then when you push yourself out of that comfort zone, which is really what it is, just pushing yourself, which is super uncomfortable, then you kind of make it to the next level. And you're like, Oh, wow, okay, I made it. So you can chill in that new comfort zone or keep pushing and For the last like 10 years, I've just been pushing, pushing, pushing. And it wasn't until this year where I'm like, let me just chill here for a bit because I kind of reached a place where I'm really happy and feel really stable and really good. So I'm just chilling for a while.
0: That's great. And that is a result of your work, right? It's not like you're going to bust your butt your entire life. You bust your butt now to get to where you want so that you can actually enjoy later. Yes, for sure. So and it's focusing on that long-term vision, yep, right? Yeah, definitely
1: became an expert on some delayed gratification. But now I don't feel guilty when I spend or do anything because I'm like, no, I worked for this. Like, I worked super hard for this.
0: Amen. All right. I love your story so much. So I want everybody to know where we can find out more about you and follow your journey. Thank you.
1: Yes. Yeah, so people can follow me on Instagram at ambitiousadulting and that's pretty much it because my Facebook page, come on now, millennials, you know, we're all on Instagram. So <laughs> Instagram is where I'm at. And then <laughs> www.ambitiousadulting.com.
0: Great. Liz, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And I am just floored by what you've been able to accomplish. And I think it's just a lesson to anybody who, if you're feeling like you could be doing more And you want to just start living a life that looks more in line with your actual plans, right? Your actual vision, you need to just start putting yourself out there and you need to start trying new things. And I hope one of those new things involves a side hustle or two, because side hustles are just an essential part of your financial picture at this point. I I don't think it's an option for, Mm -hmm. for anybody. And there's
1: so many resources out there. To help you yeah. start a side hustle. Oh, can you share a couple? Yeah, I mean, there's a side hustle podcast by Chris. I don't know what his last name is, but just look up Side Hustle Nation. Um, that, that's a really good place to start. Okay. And then really just, there's a bunch of free YouTube videos. So find out what your skills are or find out what you like. And if it's coding, like you taught yourself how to code. That's amazing. Maybe someone else is like, maybe I want to learn how to code. <laughs> And there's resources out there. Just look up like how to code and then type in for free so you can find the free version. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Liz, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: I absolutely love this conversation with Liz. And I think it just drives home the importance of a side hustle, guys. In this day and age right now, you cannot afford not to have a side hustle. And we're seeing the repercussions of that around us when we're seeing people lose their jobs. The economy in this country is changing fundamentally in a way that there are going to be long-lasting repercussions, the same way that we saw with the recession of 2008 and periods of downturns before that. So I just really hope that if you're in a position that, You may have some extra time on your hands right now that you dedicate some of that time to looking at the skills that you have and finding ways to monetize them to increase your level of financial security. It is so important to diversify your income streams so that if you have a situation where you're losing a job, you are not going to panic because you know that you have money coming in from other sources. So I'm wishing you all love, light, peace, health. And I hope that this conversation inspires you to just take your skills and push them to the next level so that you can actually start earning some money because we all have talents and we should all be using them to make some friggin' money. I mean, what else is the point, right? So until next time, stay inventive, Stay curious, stay optimistic, and stay poderosa.